Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined as always by Billy Muzio. And we're joined by not one, but two awesome guests this week. And the first guest is new to Player Profiler in terms of you haven't seen him on a podcast yet. You haven't heard him. Uh, you haven't seen him on YouTube. And he's new to the team here. But we're doing a very cool partnership with one of the best uh, fantasy football injury analysts in the entire sphere, in my opinion, in Dr. Deepak Chona. We made an announcement on Twitter. This is uh, We're happy to say this is the first podcast that uh, Dr. Chona has been on uh, among all of our podcasts. But you're going to see him a, a lot this summer in some written content, some social media content. You're really doing some awesome stuff. Deepak, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what your website is and about the partnership that we're going to have with each other? Yeah, thank you for that really kind intro. Uh, I'm really excited like you for this summer and, and this whole season. So uh, we, uh, my team is called Sports Med Analytics and, and my own background is in uh, orthopedic sports surgery. So I was a resident in California at Stanford uh, back in 2020 and COVID gave me a little bit of time to sort of explore some technology interests. And I teamed up with some folks who had uh, backgrounds in computer pulling data and machine learning. So we took their expertise and then my sort of clinical and medical background and combined it all. And what we have is uh, now uh, mostly featured on a website, sportsmedanalytics.com, but also on social media. And, and now we're lucky to be interacting with teams like yours. So uh, we look forward at players who get injured. We say, we, we do analyze their videos during the season and see how their injury looks. But most importantly, what we do is project their returns, their timelines, how likely are they to be 100%, 80%, that sort of thing. And we do it all from a data-driven approach. And we think that's really the key to all of this. There are a number of injury analysts out there. And and I think they, they have certain strengths and, and value, but we consider ours being that, that algorithmic approach to doing this and it's helped us win over the past few years a lot of our own fantasy football leagues but you know most importantly it's been a ton of fun and and we've seen a lot of good growth and collaborations stem out of this so we're excited to be joining up with y'all and uh looking forward to seeing what happens from here yeah and i think that one thing that stands out when looking at your work is a lot of times when we see any kind of injury it's this gloom and doom or it's this pushed aside is not a big deal it's a lot of bombastic quick re quick, quick reactions and i think there's so much reactionary uh movement like billy and i we draft every day almost at this time of the year and you'll see some guys avoiding guys or some guys you know just brushing off these concerns but i think deepak just you know i can encourage everyone to follow you on twitter um because i think you do a very good job of explaining things in a very rational way that is very impactful and actionable for our fantasy uh, takes. And that's what stood out to me the most when we entered this partnership. So a big hat tip to you. Um, Billy and I have a number of players we really want to pick your brain on. But first, we want to hear from our sponsors. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature Players' Championship 
has a $6 million prize pool, and their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Uh, Billy, we're going to be in Vegas uh, we're actually we're actually roommates now, Billy. This That's is gonna right. be super cool. We booked a dope suite. We're not gonna tell you the hotel, but but you know you'll we'll be around these these live drafts. And Billy and I we we we're trying to make some money, uh, Deepak. So this is really important for us to kind of pick your brain on a couple of guys. I think there's some really hot button players right now, and a lot of them happen to play the running back position. So we already see the running back position being beat up. Guys are avoiding running backs. We're drafting wide receivers on mass. People are pushing quarterbacks up the board, and there's some real polarization at the running back spot in general. Now you throw this monkey wrench into the mix with guys doing, you know, injured or potentially holding out. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a mix. But the one guy that I think is very polarizing is Brees Hall. Brees Hall is right now kind of a litmus test for risk tolerance, optimism versus pessimism, and Billy his. His peop- his uh, ADP right now is right there in like a very impactful range where he's right and let's call it the three four turn. Some drafts he sneaks in the third round. Some some drafts he's there in the early fourth, but he's rarely goes later. Rarely goes much earlier. Deepak, how should we be treating Brees Hall? Yeah, it's very much a personal question of risk tolerance here. Now with Brees Hall coming off the ACL, the average ACL for a young running back takes about ten months. And that's right about where he'll be post-op and when week one rolls around. So we we do factor in a lot of variables, but our machine learning tells us about a 60% chance that he is active week one. So on the other side of that, 40% he doesn't play yet. Uh, we wouldn't be surprised to see him ramping up uh, over the course of about three games is usually what young running backs coming off of knee surgery average to get their touches sort of back to full. And then the other question is about productivity and efficiency. What is he going to do with those touches? And that there's a, a bit of a question mark there, but we, again, we look to the algorithms, we look to the data to solve it. So with Brees Hall specifically, there are three factors that help sort of soften the blow of that post ACL dip. And those are being young. He was 21 at the time of injury. He was a high draft pick, which is also an important factor. And the third and probably the most important, at least in our correlations, is his pre-injury athletic metrics. Now, Brees Hall rates as a 95th percentile performer for the running back position at, per his NFL combine stats. And that's really one of, the, one of the main keys. But together, all three of those factors predict that Brees Hall fits the analytics mold for the type of guy who comes back strong from his ACL. Now, with that being said, our data is predicting him to be around 
for week one, and that's 85%. You could call it explosiveness or efficiency, but then that's on top of the limited workload that he's likely to see early on. Now, if you're looking at how his progression projects, by about week six, we have him at 90%. And at that point, we would call him a, an RB1, a true star running back. And by end of season, you're really looking probably at very similar to what, we're, what we were seeing last year. The one other key factor with all of this is that running backs, when they come back from the ACL, there's about a six-week period where they have a higher rate of minor injuries. And those are things like hamstring strains. You saw Gus Edwards had this last year. And it's unfortunately just the reality of being a little bit out of the game for a while. And uh, those are kind of all the factors to consider. So it's a little bit of a high risk, high reward for me, probably round four is where I start to pull that trigger round three, I probably pass, but, but it, it's a very personal decision based on all of that data. Bill, we're you- seeing his straight line speed right now, hitting 22 plus miles an hour. I know the concern with running backs in this injury is the lateral movement. How do you feel about his lateral movement early in the season? Um, we already know by based upon everything you said is that we're probably going to see him limited up until the first few weeks. Do you think they limit his lateral runs as well? Is he be running more up the middle? What's your what's your take on 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 his uh, maybe usage and and play calling? Yeah, it's a really good point. And you're exactly right. The straight line speed is less affected from the ACL. It's specifically planting and cutting off of that leg and going the other way. And you can't really limit that, I would say, in an NFL game. Yeah. And if you if you feel that, as on the medical side, if you feel that a player needs that to be limited, then I wouldn't clear him to start. And uh, once you clear him, you're really saying he can do all the movements, but it's the question of like how explosive will he be when he does that? And I think that's where you're going to see the impact just on those cutting movements. And that's where for a guy like him, he's not a power runner per se. He's more of more of that explosive cutter. So that's why I think you're, you are going to see some difference early on. Let's pivot off of Brees Hall. Let's go with Ken Walker. Ken Walker has been since the NFL draft the one of the biggest uh fallers in terms of adp this is a guy that was a potential second round draft pick then the zach charbonnet uh selection has propelled him down now we have injury concerns billy we're starting to see a little bit of sixth round walker uh he smack dab adp wise in the back end of the fifth round a guy that really performed well last year how worried are you about him right now deepak Overall, not that worried. And I think probably I would say the legitimate concern for him initially was they called this a groin strain. They kept him out of practice. He previously had a hernia surgery, which is right in the same area. So the concern was, is the repair disrupted and does he need to go in for another one? And that would cost him somewhere around eight weeks. Now, at this point, it's about two to three weeks since that injury occurred in the first place. If he needed surgery, he would have had it already and in, in most likelihood. And then now we look at how these groin strains, these non-operative groin strains are usually managed. In the preseason, you can almost take like a grade one in the regular season, which is like a one to two week injury and bump it up one. So meaning it would be handled like a grade two of the regular season. So I would expect even a small injury to be a three to four week issue in the case of Ken Walker. And that's, does is what it sounds like 
they have him back to running, which again suggests it was like a grade one injury. He's not yet doing lateral cutting, which is the key with this. But uh, my anticipation is within the next two weeks, we start seeing that. And then somewhere in the next two to three weeks, he's probably back on the field. The recurrence rate of these is also part of an issue. If you rush a player back, that increases the recurrence risk. So that's really the reason why they're taking it slow. And you have the time, so you might as well. Once the season starts, I expect him to be 100%. I expect that recurrence rate to be hovering around 15%, which is about a little higher than the league baseline, but but not extremely high. And uh, I, in most likely outcome here, you're seeing very little impact of this injury once the season starts. Theo, I got one thing to say about all that. Amen to that shit. <laughs> are we billy are you starting to look at him as a guy where he's falling to a point where risk reward in on walker yeah i've been in on walker did not like him when he was going around two prior to the draft loved, no we hated that we loved that. where he was going after the draft and zach charbonnet was at it we were getting pretty consistently around four walker he'd slipped around five at times as you mentioned we're starting to see back in round five early round six walker i've been taking the gamble pretty much anywhere in round five um, honestly, didn't he, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Deepak, didn't he have a groin issue last year as well? Um, and I forget the exact diagnosis of that, but it was more severe and it actually strayed me away from him inside of draft rooms. And I mean, he literally did beat me at times down the stretch. Um, I don't want to be wrong on him twice, uh, with, with, with a groin injury. And it seems to be that he, um, has been good at getting his body prepped and ready to get back on the field and has taken care of it. Some athletes we see that when they get injured, they consistently get re-injured or they have, you know, other, re other injuries as well. Um, how concerned are you with him in that regard? Can the groin injury lead to other injuries or is it a non-factor? It can. It's a really good question. And, and your logic is exactly right. He had a groin issue last year and that was sort of a severe groin, if you will, in the sense that it was a hernia that needed surgery. Uh, and that's why he missed a few weeks at the beginning of last year. But at this point, you know, it's all about how long he has to recover. So if this were in season, they'd probably be trying to rush him back a little bit and the recurrence rate would be higher. And then if he has a tight groin, you can imagine that maybe a hamstring or a calf is compensating a little bit and you can yeah. get injuries that way too. In this case, given the amount of time he had from the injury itself to the start of week one and the fact that they're taking it slow so far really suggests that he will be pretty much fully healed. So I'm not overly concerned about it uh, causing those issues, but it's a very valid concern. And if we start seeing these in a couple of weeks, then yes, I think those could linger into the season. Yeah, good to know. Thank you. One player that we're really seeing falling, especially in some of these high stakes drafts is JK Dobbins. Um, Billy, Andrew Schellenberg got him in the seventh round of a, a slow main event today. Uh, shout out to Andrew Schellenberg of the GOAT district. J.K. Dobbins has played 23 regular season games in his career, uh, Deepak, and now we're seeing him miss more time in the preseason. How worried are you about Dobbins, or is he a fantastic value right now? I would lean towards the second option, so the, the value for sure. He's one guy who uh, it's a little unclear contract versus injury yeah. for the holdout. But we look at this injury. So he had uh, a multi-ligament knee surgery, uh, which is basically as about as big of an injury as, as running backs face and come back from. That production dip was projected to last 
somewhere in the 19 to 22 month range for J.K. Dobbins based on prior data. And he's now well past that. And in fact, at month 19, he was at the last five games of the year, he was averaging 100 yards per game, 6.5 yards per carry. So it looked there that he was past that issue. Uh, He did have a second surgery last year, and that's kind of what kept him out. Having that that sort of issue is not super uncommon with this injury, but having a third, needing a third surgery for the same issue would be relatively uncommon here. So for those reasons, I'm relatively reassured on J.K. Dobbins. I don't love that we're not seeing him out there right now, but but as you mentioned, it it's a little bit uncertain how much of that is really injury to begin with, and, and we don't really have evidence to say that it is. So I would lean towards him being a value. Love that. Um, I mean, I think Billy at this when he drops to that seventh round, it's it's almost a smash for me because it's very difficult to find running backs in that range of the draft that could have double digit touchdowns. And based on the quality of the Baltimore offense, I think that's in the range of outcomes. Yeah, we even saw him uh, last year, which was just just after the knee injury, still have some of the most explosive runs in the NFL um, and his breakaway run rate. We saw that hitch in his step, but he still had a exceptionally high breakaway run rate. And now he's a, another year removed. I've been I've been taking the gamble in in round seven. Um, statistics say from those knee injuries, and in, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, Deepak. We've only had two in the last twenty years who have been top twenty running backs at the position in fantasy points per game following an ACL injury. Is that is that correct? The the statistics on those are uh, are pretty limited. I I don't know the number offhand, but. Uh, his is a little bit different. His is is like the Javante Williams injury that it's ACL plus an outside ligament called the LCL. And then with that, there's some structures in between that get torn and reconstructed as part of the surgery as well. But uh, I, I would consider him in a different, that injury in a different sort of class than, than like the Brees Hall or Saquon Barkley ACL. Smash the like everyone. Cause Deepak is just dropping fire. We have another guest in the, in the, background right now so i'm going to go to a lightning round here and if anybody likes this sort of uh conversation you know the sort of conversation that actually helps us crush fantasy leagues make sure and tune in on monday uh where deepak will be joining matt kelly on a special top 10 takeaways injury edition where he's going to go into a lot more depth than he's doing here on on first class fantasy that is going to be a lot of fun to listen to let's go lightning round you tell me if we're in, in or out are you in or out on Cooper Cup right now? I'm out on Cooper Cup. The hamstring has a 15% recurrence rate. And then Matt Stafford's going to be dependent on his O-line, and they project pretty poorly. So there's a, he's a high injury risk for the year, which makes me out on Cooper Cup as a round one guy. That's, that is that is big-time stuff. Out on Cooper Cup. Um, and just curious, does age play a factor into that? An older player with this sort of injury you treat differently? It does. The older players, 30 specifically and above, have a higher recurrence rate with the hamstrings. So, you know, it's less of an issue for week one, but there is some risk there. And then the Stafford risk on top. And they're just, to me, better options at round one. We've seen Joe Burrow flipped by Justin Herbert, Billy. It's happened in a lot of these FFPC main events. Um, are we in or out on Joe Burrow now that he's going, you know, at a slightly lower range in the draft? You're able to get him. Uh, you know, easily in the fourth round, and now you're starting to see him in the fifth. In or out? I'm I'm in on Joe Burrow. He's likely ready week one. There's a relatively low recurrence rate that far out, 
Uh, and so far, everything we've seen suggests a low severity strain. You're you're making the the chat very depressed with your Cooper Cup <laughs> comment. You know, uh, we'll pour one out, guys. That's not what you wanted to hear. Um, but guys, and Frank Castle, the Punisher himself, is very upset about this. Um, let's let's end it on this one. Jonathan Taylor is the Jonathan yeah. Taylor injury something that worries you? The Jonathan Taylor camp seems to be saying that he's not injured. The team is kind of pushing it there. Where are you at? I would lean towards not being injured. He had a relatively straightforward ankle surgery. Short, Long-term results on that are variable, but the short-term is usually pretty good. So you would think that at this point, he'd be ready to go from there. And he denied the back issue, so I can't really argue with that. Uh, the it, One issue with Jonathan Taylor, high ratio of carries to receptions. And for running back, you kind of want it to be flipped to lower their injury rate. A reception is a lower injury risk per play. So that's one thing that keeps me out on Jonathan Taylor, but not because of a current injury. All right, we got one more. We can't we can't not talk about Javante. So let's give me in or out on Javante. Yeah, I, at, at ADP, I would say in. But overall, I would say first half of the year, I'm not planning on starting him. Uh, low efficiency up to like 20% dips is usually what you see with this. And this was the JK Dobbins injury last year that has a lot of complications in some cases, although he does seem to be on track. Don't bother drafting him FFPC drafters. Cause I have an eighth round Javante Williams, FFPC main event, uh, share it's pointless. <laughs> You're not going to catch me on that one. My team ran super purit as well. So this was awesome. Uh, Dr. Deepak Chona, let everybody know where they can find you. Absolutely. So I am on Twitter at SportMD Analysis, also www.sportsmedanalytics.com, and we'll be on uh, Player Profiler uh, all season long. So we're pumped to be joining y'all. Thank you very much for having me. And look for Monday's Top 10 Takeaways with the Podfather himself and Anna and Deepak. It's going to be awesome. They're going to dive into a lot of players, go into more in-depth, and we might have to tell Matt to lead off the show with Cooper Cup because that one is one that, that Matt's going to really want to pick your brain on. Thanks so much for joining us. Everybody stick around. We have one of our favorite uh, analysts in all of fantasy, Andrew Cooper. He's going to be joining us after another word from our sponsors. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. Now, you know I love Kenny Pickett, right? Week one, who does he face? San Francisco. That's a bummer. So I'm going to be going less than on Kenny Pickett's projected yardage and on whichever quarterback is starting for San Francisco in week one. (laughs) Probably not Trey Lance. (laughs) But then who do the Steelers face in week two? Ah, the Browns, right? We think the Browns are going to crank things up. So there, you can say, hey, Kenny Pickett, more than his projected passing yards. And you keep on correlating. Elijah Moore, more than. George Pickens, more than. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Cooper, Cooper.
Cooper. Well, well, well. And look at my boy Billy Muzio, how slick he was with the overlay switch. Yeah, that was, that was smooth. That was professional. Incredible. Incredible. One of our favorite guys in fantasy, Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm, joins us. Uh, Coop, you, you're dropping fire. Why don't you let everybody know some of the some of the stuff you've been dropping at Fantasy Alarm, some of the podcasts. Uh, highly recommend all of your work. Wait, you guys don't want to keep talking about serious growing injuries? We're not going to ask you about injuries. <laughs> we're, we've we, we've reached the point where where we've we've got a lot of that. We're leaving a little gas in the tank for for Monday, but I will pick your brain on a couple of those. You know what's players. funny? You know what's funny? I actually did just drop an article about injuries just now, dude. So perfect timing. Uh, the biggest. Biggest injury for you is sleep at night with a baby. Oh my goodness, man! You're <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, dude. I'm I'm just like I'm in like permanent like weird sleepover mode where you just you just stay up all the time and everything's like a hallucinogen. Like uh, so, this should be a good show. We're having a good time with the voice. How is the uh, caffeine? The caffeine content is way way up in the Cooper household. I'd imagine. So for my wife, it's it's zero because she's okay. got to breastfeed the baby. Yeah. But you know what? It, it's not necessarily up, but the times that I'm having it have changed drastically. Like t- typically you drink coffee in the morning, right? Well, now you just drink it whenever the hell you feel like it, right? Yeah. Uh, also, I will say that video game playing is up, you know, because you can just kind of throw the baby right on here and play a little bit. So that's a little, that's a nice positive. That's uh, a nice, that's a very nice positive. Yeah, and I've got more time to think about ball. So I did just drop an injury article. Then that one's free. You can check that out. And I'm not getting into the machine learning and stuff that Deepak got into. That was fascinating. But what I'm talking about is how to how to when and where to utilize that information and not just about, you know, predicting healthy guys to get hurt versus uh, the idea of fading guys who are currently hurt. But also I get into a bit of the idea of accounting for injuries. And uh, we, historically we only do that with running backs, but I looked at a couple players and brought up the idea of like, like, like let's say Travis Kelsey, right? If a wide receiver gets hurt, it, it doesn't really increase his upside, Right. He's still the top target. He's still the dude. No, Sky Moore injury doesn't help Travis Kelsey. But you look at a guy like Dallas Goddard, he's very safe. But if one of those wide receivers gets hurt, now he has a chance for serious high-end upside, right? So he's almost like a double handcuff plus because either wide receiver getting hurt. So the article gets into a little bit of that of don't predict injuries, but there are places where you can account for them. That's on fantasyalarm.com right now. Just type in Andrew Cooper Fantasy Alarm and you can see everything on I love that. I love the contingent upside. And there's a question in the chat. What are you a FIFA guy? What, what what's your game? So it depends the situation, right? Like I really own my favorite game is NHL. I'm okay. filthy, filthy in NHL. Dude. <laughs> Don't bring that smoke up. In I here. will not. Um, but uh, the game that I, <laughs> the game that I've been playing right now, it's not so far. I don't need to play Island adventure. <laughs> that's exactly it dude how did you know bro i got i just collected all the the plastones about to build the uh, hello kitty megatron no the uh the game i i'm so far behind because we do this all the time you guys know right when we log off here we just start doing something else for fantasy uh so I, i'm so far behind i'm playing fallout 4 i just i looked for, i was like what game can i play where it's not online i'm not gonna be throwing my controller through the screen and i can just kind of wander around and, and do stuff so that's the game i'm playing right now I only play one video game. I used to play a lot more, but time just doesn't allow for it. The only game I play is is League of Legends now. I've played it since season two. The most aggressive, like insane (laughs) game you can play. The almost you only play one game. It's the most psychotic game you could possibly (laughs) play, right? (laughs) I was a I was a big FIFA guy 
for, FIFA for many, fun, many man. years. FIFA I was really into, was almost obsessive. And uh, kid number three kind of crushed the video games because now my 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 kids are older. So I have three kids now, and it's uh, I don't I I never have an opportunity for it. So it's got to uh, get them on the Xbox, man. That's that's it. That's it. Are they that's old it. enough yet? So that when 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 your kids get a little older, the thing is Roblox. Roblox oh. is this obsession. My daughter, my son play it. Everybody plays it. They interact with their friends on Roblox. It, it's just it's hard to explain, but if you know, you know. Um, let's let's dive in a little bit. So we, oh, we always we always talk about tight ends <laughs> with with Coop with 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 Coop. Coop is like the man for tight ends, but we're only going to pick your brain on one or two. Okay. We're going to show your your other talents today, but I really got to pick your brain on one tight end in particular, and that's Darren Waller. Billy and I have been on Waller for months, and you're starting to see him really, really creep up and creep up. I took him in the fourth round of an FFPC uh, Fantasy Pros Championship, and then this past week, Billy, I've seen him go in three separate FFPC main events in the third round. He's starting to really separate. We First, we saw Coop. It's like a... He's just been taking scalps. First, it was Goddard. He leaped Goddard. And, and it was first, he was neck and neck with Goddard. Waller passed Goddard. That was predictable. Now he's passed George Kittle. He's passed Kyle Pitts. And now he's kind of, he's still a gap between him and Hawkinson. But I think that that's going to be a conversation by the end of the month for certain drafters. Where are you at on Darren Waller now that the ADP has corrected so much? But that's what happens, dude. I drop my tight end series, and everyone's just like tearing up their rankings. Really, the ADP goes out the window. Yeah, now I don't think I'm moving the needle like that. But I've had Waller personally ranked as tight end three for a while now, and it's because of two things. One, I'm highly confident in my ability to find breakouts at the position. So, I, if I'm going to spend a high end pick, I need them to have difference making upside. When I talk about difference making upside, I'm not even talking about just guys that are top five or six. I'm talking about all-time seasons. And if you look at the top like 50 or so all-time seasons, very few of those guys weren't number one or two on their team in targets. Surprisingly, the guy that had the best tight end season all-time actually didn't lead his team in targets that year. It was Rob Gronkowski, scored 18 touchdowns, but Wes Welker had like 170 targets that year. So all you have to be is top two. Waller, I think, can lead his team in targets. So I'm looking at Kelsey. I'm looking at Andrews. Right when those guys are gone, I'm looking at Waller. Because Hawkinson, for me, I'm you know a little worried about Addison coming in. Uh, I know he's going to be fairly safe, but uh, that's the case. With, with Goddard, when everyone was healthy, it was eight targets a game for A.J. Brown. It was 7.7 .7 for Devonta Smith, and it was 5.6 for Goddard. Nobody, I've yet to find one person that flat out projects Goddard to get more targets than one of those two players. And if that's how you have them ranked, then you're almost betting against yourself by picking that player. So with me, Goddard, Kittle, just like you're saying, it's kind of going that way. I'm not going there, right? Pitts is a guy, you know, it's high risk, high reward. But again, we don't know if that team is actually going to throw higher than the level, the leather helmet level they've been throwing. So like last year, people, because of how few times the Bears threw the ball, I don't think people realize that the Falcons also threw the fewest passes per game of any team since the Jets in 2009. Which that was, 2009 is a long time ago. Man. So one great question in the chat is about how Daniel Jones essentially meshes with Darren Waller. I personally think that this is a match made in heaven based on him being a low A dot guy. Um, I know Billy's talked about this correlation as well, but 
curious your thoughts on Daniel Jones and Waller and what it kind of does to his target ceiling. And Billy, I'd like you to kind of share what you're projecting him for as well. Well, I'll tell you what. Did you want Billy to go first? You no, me? let's let's go. Let, yeah, let's go Billy first. on this one. Yeah, let's, that's let's, right, Billy. I'm okay, let's go. Let's be go, nice let, to me. Let's go ah. goof on this. <laughs> in person. It's something nice about me, Billy, and then I'll say my take. Wait till we get off the show. He'll be he'll be like this Coop guy, you know. I can't believe it. Uh, unbelievable. You have to be nice to me because I'm the guest. So, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, so here's the situation. I don't really like to slander other players as part of my takes, but when you look around, you've got Jalen Hyatt, who's a rookie, and he expect I expect him to be more of an A dot, high A dot field stretcher type. You've got uh, Wendell Robinson, who I like, but he's coming off a knee injury. Right. Uh, Deepak just kind of told us how there's a little bit of risk coming in with that. And if you look at Isaiah Hodgins, he basically had two good games and they're both versus the Vikings and Pat Peterson. And when you look at the other games, not great. I mean, look at that game, the playoff game versus the Eagles when he faced real corners, vaporized. So a guy like Daniel Jones, that past few years, he's thrown what, 10, 12, 15 touchdowns max. Darren Waller. Uh, not only can he be a top target on the team, but if you go ahead and, and look at every tight end in terms of end zone targets per game, number one, George Kittle. He had 11 touchdowns. He was number one, and number two is Darren Wall. So I think he could step in and not only be the top target for Daniel Jones, but also the end zone target. And these guys, I mean, it's like every time someone puts a microphone in front of them, they have something nice to say about the other one. You've been seeing it, right? It's yeah. like just rave reviews left back and forth. It's like a game of tennis of compliments, right? Just like me and Billy on. There's a, there's a wonderful picture of, of Dable and Waller, just like just a bromance going on. This is yeah. like, I'm going to get you 140 targets. It, that's like the meme. Um, it's, so, it's almost too good though. Yeah. Like when you start hearing like the dream team stuff, it gets a little scary, you know, it's almost like, but Andrew, you know, I think before Billy shares his stats, you know, it's how many tight ends are going to get a hundred targets period this year. You could usually count it on one hand. Um, so, you know, you're a target ceiling for Waller. I'm not doing the extensive kind of projections that Billy is, but I see him as kind of a 130 target guy, which is just, you don't find those guys. All you need in this world is either 90 targets or, or 10 plus touchdowns. And the touchdowns we all agree are very difficult to predict only well, Kelsey only has like two seasons with double digit touchdowns, but going back to 2003, uh, it was Randy McMichael in 2003. He was the last tight end to finish top five without either 10 touchdowns or 90-plus targets in PPR. Say that so one again, Andrew. Randy McMichael, what year? Randy McMichael in 2003. Since then, no tight end has finished top five in PPR without 90 targets or 10 touchdowns. And I'll tell you this, in half PPR, there's only one exception. It was COVID year Mark Andrews missed two games and finished with 88 targets. I count that up. That, that, that ruined my stat. And it should count. That, I, I'm saying that should be stricken from the record. That year was garbage. No, so it's all, that, all out the window now. It's all out the window, those. man. Yeah, so <laughs> there were only four, t- four tight ends last year that led their team in targets. It was uh, Waller, Kelsey, Cole Komet, and Billy, your guy. That I've he's you've convinced me to that he's growing on me a little bit. Your guy Tyler Higby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he quietly also had 100 targets, but not a lot of guys top two on their team, and that, definitely not a lot of guys leading their team to target. So Waller, he fits a lot of those criteria. Yeah, Waller that. for me is the clear cut number one inside of the passing, you know, uh, volume here for for the Giants. 
you, know, you said 130 targets. That number would be hard to hit simply because the Giants just don't throw the ball um, all that much, and it's a lot of targets. Um, you know, the, the algorithm, the projections in my model are saying about 555 attempts. 130 would be roughly 24%, which would be an astronomical amount for a tight end. Um, that being said, inside the projections, I do have him for 20%, which is about 110 targets inside of this you. offense. Um, and there's not very many people that we can, you know, comfortably say are going to see a hundred targets. I think off the top of my head, um, without diving into the numbers, um, you can say Hawkinson, if he doesn't hold in, you can say Mark Andrews, you can say Kelsey, um, you might be able to say Pitts. Um, and then from there, it kind of tapers off pretty drastically. Um, Higby is probably in the conversation and I think that's about it. It's, it starts kind of falling downhill to like the nineties and eighties pretty quickly um, after, after Waller. Um, there's just not a lot of target competition for Waller when you look at the rest of this offense. And a lot of these wide receivers, I mean, they have 15 receivers, I think, to date that are actually on this roster right now. And of course, we don't expect them all to make the team, but just shows you kind of the incompetence at the position and maybe the lack of confidence that they have inside of this receiving core. Um, one, whether it be health related two, whether it be talent related. Um, but, you know, I don't think the likes of Cole Beasley or, you know, Darius Slayton or Wanda Robinson are going to eat into Waller's target share that much when, when they're all healthy, um, when Wandell's healthy, when Sterling Shepard is healthy. Um, this is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting. But depending upon how well that chemistry kind of develops early in the season will be a big tell for Waller as the season progresses. If they struggle a little bit and they start getting guys back, I could see where a scenario where Waller might be, um, you know, overvalued. But I don't think that's the likely outcome. I think that he is going to dominate the touches early in the season. They're going to get that chemistry. They're going to hold on to that rhythm, and they're going to continue that through the season even once they start getting more of these weapons back, and it'll just open up the field more for him. Um, Waller is my tight end for my season projections. He passed Kittle on the last update. Um, they're within a couple fantasy points prior. Uh, and it just broke down to one, the amount of touches that we're going to see for Darren Waller and two, the touchdown variance from George Kittle and some due regression. And I just don't think that he's, I don't like the banking on touchdowns when we're doing projections. Yeah. Let me throw one more thing in there for Kittle and Goddard. How I, this is how I would handle them. I hear a lot of people coming to me and saying, oh, Brock Purdy loves George Kittle. He's going to throw him a bunch of touchdowns, right? Well, he scored 11 last year. Vegas has him set at five and a half. Yeah. So if you think we're going to see the same thing. That's where you make that play. Don't make the play with your season-long fantasy team. Go just bet the over on five and a half. Do you know what George? Do you know what Dallas Goddard said at over under touchdown? Dallas Goddard. I'm gonna say six and a half, three and a half. Oh my! God. Every book. I swear. I, I put money on it. I I don't even like the guy really, but I bet on the over, and I'm just not yeah. gonna draft him. But three and a half is where he set, and I went and looked at. It. I was like, why is this? Over the last three years, Dallas Goddard has only eight end zone targets. Mike Gusecki last year got eight. Mike Gusecki in his 35% snap share got eight end zone targets. Dallas Goddard last year had two. The year before that, he had two. The year before that, he had, a, he had four. He gets a ton of screen passes, which is great in your PPR leagues, but he's really not a focal point of that team in the end zone. I'm willing to bet on over three and a half because I believe that's ridiculous. But this is also a guy who, you know, we talk about injury prone with Waller. People say, oh, he's injury prone. He's going to get hurt. I mean, Dallas Goddard hasn't played a full season in four years. George Kittle is hurt every year. Like, if you're going to start fading th these guys for injuries, then you're fading everybody. Everybody that isn't Travis Kelsey. 
I love it. I love it. I think that the that's it makes me really not want to draft Goddard when I hear that yeah. that yeah. total. That really hurts a lot. Um, let's talk about Mark Andrews really quickly because Billy's got him tight end two. I've got him tight end two. I'm guessing you have him tight end two, Coop, right? I so have this his own tier. Tier two tier. is just Mark Andrews. So we're seeing Mark Andrews start to move up and up and up um in you know FFPC higher stakes drafts. I've seen a lot, a very common thing recently is pushing Mark Andrews to the end of the first round in tight end premium because he's kind of, like you said, in, in his own tier. Where do you see him this year in terms of him his impactfulness? How close can he get to Travis Kelsey? Is he a real threat for, for tight end one overall without an injury to Kelsey? Now, the difference between these two players and why you can't put them in the same tier is uncertainty. We want, and with our top picks, we want certainty. Later on, we lean into uncertainty. And, and Don F in the chat is, is asking the right questions. Dalton Schultz, 100 targets. Why can't he be a top two target on that team? So later on, we lean into uncertainty. That's that's the game. Early on, we want certainty. We want Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Like for, for years there, you just knew it was those are the guys and you just pick them and everything's good. And now it's still Kelsey's everything's the same. With Mark Andrews, the upside is now higher and the floor is now lower. It's as simple as that. The upside is higher because Greg Roman's gone and Greg Roman stinks. He he doesn't stink. I'm sure he's a great guy, but I don't want guys like Arthur Smith. Are you so Roman. sure about that? A guy I, who has no chance low, he might be I, a really boring guy. He might be, yeah. I mean, like him, Arthur Smith and Greg Roman, they want to run the ball a trillion times, and it's horrible for fantasy football. It truly is. So this team, the Ravens, have been bottom five in pass attempts every year except one. The one time they threw the ball like a normal team, Mark Andrews had a top five season of all time, top five fantasy season of all time in that season, uh, 2021. And then they just went back to running it every play. So you have the upside now with Greg Roman and his air raid offense. The reason the floor is lower is not just the uncertainty of a new coach coming in, but they're changing everything up. What we liked before is that they would use Nick Boyle and they would use the fullback Patrick Ricard on so many snaps. Patrick Ricard played more than 50% of the snaps last year. Bonkers, right? So when you have a guy like that that isn't soaking up targets, the targets get highly consolidated among the top two guys. That's how you can have a you know a, a, the offense with 150 targets for Marquise Brown and 150 for Mark Andrews. They took Patrick Ricard, and the reports from camp are that he's playing offensive line. The, the, the fullback position is gone. He's he's working out with the lineman. He's going to be like a inline tight end. So you're going to see three wide receiver sets from the from the Ravens from the Ravens. Can you believe it, Billy? Like they're, they're going to have three wide receivers out there and it's going to be Zay Jones and Odell and, and Bateman for as long as those guys can all stay healthy. And that creates the lower floor, but I'm willing to chase the upside. Theo, you, do you have Mark Andrews tight end too? Absolutely. And I think that like, if there's somebody we would bet on to finish his tight end one, that's not Kelsey, it's because Mark Andrews scored a ton of touchdowns. Um, You know, we talked about JK Dobbins earlier with, with Deepak, but I think like Mark Andrews could be the one who really benefits and like you talked about with the double-digit tight ends, uh, double-digit touchdowns, I think that's in the range of outcomes for Andrews. Andrews is also just like a stud and a talent, and we don't have to convince ourselves on his talent. But I'm curious, Billy, you know, when we're approaching like the big big money drafts, um, how do you view him structurally? Because I think that there's an argument to be made that, especially in a 20-man format, if I take Mark Andrews, I'm done at tight end um, and for, for you know, 12 rounds because I have such an anchor where in some of these tight end premium formats, 
like, you know, we're going to ask Coop his thoughts on some of these tight end twos, but I have to kind of make up for it in volume. Like even in best ball, Billy, that team we built where we had a four tight end build. Um, if we took Mark Andrews, that's another spot we could go wide receiver or running back. So is there a structural advantage to pushing him up to the one, two turn in like an FFPC main event draft? Yeah, I think that's where he belongs in the in redraft. You know, in best ball, you can get away with punting the position and doing the volume approach like we did, where we take four. Um, I think taking four in redraft is a disadvantage and sets you back, um, especially because there's going to be some outstanding tight ends that are on the waiver wire that could potentially find themselves in the mix, starting positions and seeing a significant target share uh, during the season. Like last year, for instance. Uh, Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich didn't even go drafted in a lot of FFPC drafts and didn't see the field until about week six, I believe, with Dulcich. Um, and and then he kind of burst onto the scenes. And so um, anytime that you are able to pick up a tight end of that caliber off the waiver wire, I think it's doing yourself a, a disservice to take four in a redraft format. So I think that it's 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 definitely a good strategy to lock in a Andrews or a Kelsey in round one. I am fine taking Andrews in round one in tight end premium. And then just kind of forgetting the position until you get to like the next tier, like the Laportas and maybe the, the Everett's where you can even argue the Irv Smith's you're shooting for upside with these guys um, that have a, a ceiling when you already have your rock at the tight end position. And if you can flex that guy on any other given week, then great. You won, but worst case scenario, you're throwing him in on by weeks or if Andrews gets hurt. Um, I honestly don't normally like to do this, but in this scenario, particularly in Baltimore, I like actually handcuffing him with likely just because if we yes. do see him go out and the, and the likely is climbing right now, but if we do see um, Andrews go likely is just not going to skip a beat. He's going to come right in. And I think likely also has standalone value because he could potentially be the number three option any given week inside of the passing game for Baltimore um, as they use him kind of out wide as a jumbo receiver. And so I think that likely has some intriguing upside. And if you don't like to go that approach, you could, you know, hedge and, and go just likely builds against Andrew teams. And if there is ever an injury to Andrews and forget about it, you're going to have a major advantage over the field. Dude, that's I, what I'm talking about with the injury. Uh, sorry to jump in, but that's what no. I was talking about with the account for injuries is that if you have Dallas Goddard as your, as your tight end and he gets hurt, there's no tight end handcuff. We saw it last yeah. year. You couldn't start any of those guys. It just AJ Brown went from eight targets to 8.8. That's that's what happens when you know when that guy gets hurt, right? Uh, with with Mark Andrews, you point in Isaiah likely in the two games he played last year, 8.3 targets per game, scored, scored twice, doesn't block on any pass plays. That's Theo. You know that with talking with you guys and Dan Williamson and the whole gang. You know what I mean? The whole gang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I love the pass blocking stat because it can be extrapolated out to usage later on. It's how we found Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews blocked on one pass play last year. Oh, it's the best. But Isaiah likely uh, his two point six percent pass block percentage was like nothing, and he played eighty one percent of his snaps at wide receiver. So Andrews goes out. He immediately goes into my lineups, Billy. Not yeah. like just directly. Yeah. In. I have no fear of doing that. But I, uh, Don F asked in the asked in the chat, like him and Kolar, do they emerge and hurt Andrews? I don't think so. And I don't. You would need multiple wide receiver injuries. Now I'm adding likely because he he plays wide receiver. You know, yeah. but uh, it, it, an Andrews injury is really what you need. Yeah, and he's kind of like a big slow wide receiver. Like Billy and I have talked about Isaiah likely 
as a value, especially in best ball. And we, you talked about Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, guys that we have missed time with injuries. I think if one of them goes down, I think likely is going to see spikes. And Andrew, I honestly you, don't even think it's going to take an injury. I think likely yeah. is just good enough to in, where in the twenty man tight end premium. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And then you know, I I think regardless of the new system, they still have two athletic tight ends. They're probably going to still run quite a bit of twelve personnel just because of the athleticism of both tight ends. And and let's face it, Bateman hasn't been the model of of health. Odell Beckham has passed his prime. They may say, forget about it. Let's just roll two tight ends because these are our two best players on the receiving core and continue that route. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it's a real possibility in the season. I also yeah. want to add in, have you seen the Jerry Curl mustache combo that Isaiah likely <laughs> is spot is rocking this year? Incredible swag. It's yeah, incredible swag. Move them up. If you haven't if you haven't seen it yet, pull up the pictures and you'll be like, Yeah, this is a guy I need to be taking with my last pick. There's two percent more target share right there. Adjust <laughs> adjust your ranks, everyone. Adjust the ranks. And so uh Andrew, you had a really interesting we we interacted on Twitter. This is months back, but I think this is an interesting one. What are a couple of tight end combos that you could see both finishing inside of uh the top twenty-four? Like, I think it's a really interesting process. And I'll pick this is off show sheet, but your Isaiah likely talk. We'll throw Baltimore in there. We think a very likely scenario likely finishes right. inside of the top 24. But give me a couple sh- other, give me a couple other um, tight end combos that you think could thrive together. Absolutely. And, and I love how Billy pointed out. And I, anyone that knows, I, I don't like complimenting Billy. So he has to say something really, really thought-provoking for me to say that. So good job, Billy. Uh, I love how you said draft Mark Andrews and then forget about it, but don't forget completely, right? Especially in the 20-team tight end premium, you should be grabbing as many guys as possible. And my advice to anyone in a format like that is lean into your strengths, right? Like if you hate tight end, draft too early and, and don't do anything, right? But me, I'm contractually obligated to find these guys, so I'm always thinking about it. So it, it doesn't make sense for me in a single tight end league to draft a, a Kelsey or whatever. But uh, when I look at uh, the New England Patriots, surprisingly enough, they're trying to replicate the offense from 2011 when Bill O'Brien was last calling the plays here, right? It's pretty clear. I mean, every part of it is worse, but it's they're trying to create the same thing, right? Like Tom Brady is Mac. Mac Jones is Tom Brady. I know. Bear with me here. Uh, Hunter Henry is Rob Gronkowski as the inline role. And Mike Gusecki is Aaron Hernandez is the honor off the field. Honor <laughs> off the field. <laughs> I, I would imagine. Have you seen Mike Gusecki gritty? That dude does not have a stone to murder somebody. No. Okay. Chance. Just wanted to clarify yeah. that because yeah, 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 it was yeah, confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to confuse everybody. Uh, and then uh, Wes Welker. So that year, uh, Wes Welker is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, which people think that Wes Welker was just just a slot guy, but Welker Edelman. Uh, Jacoby Myers, these guys played flanker and slot. It's it's slot and three wide receiver sets, flanker and two. They don't come out, right? So that's the game. That year, Rob Gronkowski as the inline tight end finished as the tight end one overall. And Aaron Hernandez as the move tight end finished as the tight end three overall. And that happened while Wes Welker got over 170 targets, over 170. Like the missing part of the equation is obviously Tom Brady. But they don't have to be tight end one and tight end three and a wide receiver one to have value in, in these FFPC leagues where I, I love you guys are partnered with FFPC because like your listeners should know that they, they should get on there and play those. And if you win, put that in your Twitter profile. 
because you put in your Twitter profile, I want a high stakes FFPC league. You're gold plated now, baby. Right. Like that is like one of the coolest things that you can do. So Billy and I uh, only have enough space to write in our profile, all the FFPC leagues we've taken down. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, that's the difficult. problem. You, you guys got, have too many accolades, right? You shout out, know. shout out, shout out to Elon Musk, you know, give us a little extra room. Yeah. Want to, right. want to pick your brain, you know, on one, a really polarizing player not really he's an incredible player dalton kincaid this is a this is a two tight ends finishing inside the top 24 i would imagine unless there's an injury but how high can dalton kincaid finish i am higher on dalton kincaid than most at player profiler right now i think he's gonna smash i think the like top eight tight end numbers are are in the range of outcomes um you know and it's not really that big of a jump he's being drafted as like tight end 12 tight end 11, tight end 13 in most drafts. Yeah, and that's, you know, I'm. first of all, I love that you guys said you were going to come on and ask me about other positions, and then I, I was This is the to, last one. I was able to steer this, this directly into just one. talking about tight ends, right? I was yeah. waiting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, You're I'm good, casted. man. Like, this is my favorite You're topic. You're typecasted. You're typecasted. I do this all the time, though. Like people, In our defense, you know, we have kind of talked about, like, jumbo X receiver slash tight ends last time. I know. I and I always steer steer it towards the same. We would have got here anyway. I'm you didn't think we were talking about Patriots tight ends today? Like 100, I was going to get us there one way or another. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Dalton Kincaid, man. Here's the thing: I'm the one that always pours the cold water on the rookies. Always, like I, that's like the thing that I do because I've done all the research on where and when it can happen. So this year, when I turn around and say, "Hey," we not only have one, but potentially three guys, not just two, Bailey. Move it to three. One that I truly 2.5. I think 2.5 <laughs> is right. It might not even be 0.5, honestly, but <laughs> the conditions are potentially there where we need. Here's why it's so hard. And we actually had uh, Jake Bud on our show yesterday. Uh, check that out at Fantasy Alarm after you finish watching this. Uh, but he came in and basically summarized all the research that I found myself, which is that not only is it a two part position where you need to learn the blocking schemes and the pass catching schemes but you need to be the best pass catching tight end in that room because it's not like wide receiver where they look and say, you three are our best guys. You're all going to be out there with tight end. A lot of times it's okay. This guy's better at blocking. This guy's better at pass catching. So if Zach Ertz is there, Dallas Goddard has to play in line for a long time. Even if Jimmy Graham is there, Cole Komet has to be the blocking tight end, right? So that's the first thing. You got to be the best pass catcher on your team, which isn't that easy as a rookie because every team always has incumbent players. Like it's very rare to just say, "Oh, we're going to replace this guy with a with a with a rookie." The other part is then you need to be a top two target on the team, like we talked about. So it's you need them to not have wide receivers. the 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 odds of a Kyle Pitts being drafted as a tight end to play wide receiver that you could start at tight end to a team that doesn't have wide receivers, it's just that when you say it like that. It, it doesn't ever happen, right? Evan Ingram needed Odell Beckham Jr. to blow his knee out week three or four just to get there. So this situation with Dalton Kincaid, where he walks into a team where Gabe Davis didn't really do much, Dalton Knox, uh, Dawson Knox is the inline tight end. He could play slot right away. And I watched a 30, 31, and 32-year-old Cole Beasley get back-to-back-to-back 100 target seasons on this team. And if that's not enough, Brandon Bean on Pat McAfee's show straight up said, this guy's playing wide receiver. He said, these guys are going to play at the same time. Dawson Knox is a tight end. This guy plays wide receiver. And I was like, I, I turned to Brandon Bean on my YouTube screen here, just like, uh, 
you know, Tim Robinson. I'm like, exactly, dude. Like I was sitting here, <laughs> like I was part of the interview. Exactly. I swear. I, I yelled it when I was watching that. So for Kincaid, for me, it's wheels up. And here's the, here's the thing that people are hung up on. We don't care about floor tight end 12. Why would we care? The difference from tight end seven to tight end 15 last year was 13 points. The year before that, the difference from tight end eight to tight end 11 was less than one point in PPR. I, those guys are lying all over the ground. You can go get Billy's best friend, Tyler Higby, at any point you want. He's just out there, right? So take a shot at upside, and then if it if he's a complete bust, I'll fix it. Follow me on Twitter. I, I promise you I'll fix it. We'll find somebody. A tight end has come from outside the top 17 in ADP six years in a row to finish top five at tight end. We're going to find that guy too. But Dalton Kincaid is a guy I'm willing to take a shot on absolutely. Yeah, the, the Tunyons and the Schultzes, they appear every single year. And the You're Wallers right and that. the Andrews and yep. Eric Ebron and Evan Ingram twice, right? It's like it, Logan Thomas. Like, they're yep. out there, man. Every year. Let's let's pivot over to non-tight ends. Um, Andrew, you are a talented analyst, not only for tight ends, so we're going to pick your brain. But one question Billy and I have been asking every single person that's come on the show, and we'll leave tight end out of the equation on this one. If there's one player that you could know their final stats for among anybody in fantasy, one player that maybe has the biggest range of outcomes or could really open things up for a teammate, a lot of analysts have taken this many different ways, but we've had some incredibly interesting, interesting answers here. Who is your guy for this one? Oh my goodness. So I can know his stat line at the end. Any single player. You're Biff Tannen. Can't use a tight end though. Can't, Can't use the tight end. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be that would be cheating. Any <laughs> single player. So I'll say mine has been continually Deshaun Watson. Yeah, because well, yeah, you know, was awesome. quarterback nine um in ADP. And if I knew that he was going to return to old Watson, I would wait every draft and just draft him. We've had people give a number of answers. Billy, maybe you could share share a couple guys that you've talked about. Yeah, one of the ones is Kadarius Tony for me. Oh right? yeah, that's a we'd, good one, dude. We'd be able to know pretty much the pecking order of all of the receivers, knowing that final stat line. God, he's of. so exciting when he's healthy, man. I just can't help think about that Giants versus Cowboys game when he just put Trevon Diggs on skates all game. <laughs> like that was that guy was crazy, man. I was watching that game. I was like, I there's no way this guy isn't good, right? Yeah, he's but, good. Yeah. He just can't stay on the field. Yeah, this one's kind of a cop out, uh, but. If I'm trying to get as much information as possible, the guy I'd wanted, I would pick Brock Purdy as hey, my guy. Let's go. Because if Love Brock it. Purdy doesn't, so if the stats are awesome, now it confirms that I can take Christian McCaffrey in the first round, right? And just the fact that Brock Purdy is starting over Trey Lance makes me a lot feel a lot better about Christian McCaffrey, right? Because McCaffrey, uh, you know, he mobile quarterbacks, we know mathematically they they're not good for running backs, right? Especially pass catching back. They're good for yards per carry, which is nice. But uh, I don't have I don't play any like five by five fantasy baseball leagues where you know there's individual stat categories. I just care about fantasy. So uh, so that's one where you get you get that information. You get the touchdown total. It gives you info on Kittle, the total yards for Debo and the other guys. And what if that line comes up and it's zero? Then I'm drafting Trey Lance in every league, or you know, and then get the rug pulled on me by Sam Darnold probably. But still. <laughs> Like just and, and think about where Purdy goes in ADP. You can get him in every single league, right? If, like, what if he's just all, like he's next Tom Brady? That one, I feel like there's so many ways you could play it. Even if because some guys like take Billy's line. If Kadarius Tony, we look at the line that he has 200 yards, then we know he got hurt again. But if Brock Purdy's line is 
hundred yards, then we know that there's actionable data there still. I love that one. That's a that's a really thought out uh, question, even though it wasn't on the show sheet. Um, that was that was really good stuff, Coop. Um, now, guys, I really want to get into our flag plants, and I'd like you guys to each share a player or two that in each position. We're going to leave tight end out of this, um, and we're going to go with. We'll start out with quarterback. This I'd like you to share your flag plant players that you think can help win leagues and also give me a value. So Billy, we'll start with you. Who is a quarterback that you are flag planting for this season? Russell Wilson, pretty easily for me. Uh, finished last year as quarterback 18 in fantasy points per game. He's being drafted around quarterback 18 still in drafts. Uh, I just think that he's being drafted at his absolute floor. Uh, we can expect a bounce back season with the new offense with Sean Payton in town. It's going to rebuild his confidence. Now he has all of his weapons on the field. Last year, we didn't really see all three, Greg Dulcich, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton all at the, on the field at the same time. Um, we also know that Javante, you know, is coming back off of, off of surgery. Um, Deepak just said that he doesn't really want much to do with him in the beginning outside of his, you know, cheap cost. Um, but that probably means that they're going to let Russ throw the ball a little bit more early. And if that, successful we can probably expect him to cook all season and it's going to benefit him as a where he's going in drafts and then also all of his surrounding weapons with with judy sutton and and greg dulcich we have a pretty consolidated target tree now as well and and i think that that's going to uh, you know benefit him and of course they drafted mims who's going to add some speed to this team as well so love love um love russell wilson this year at cost and one of my flag plants for the, those li the listeners and the people watching out there, this is how Billy and Theo treat their guests. First, they ask me a question that's not even on the sheet, and then <laughs> Billy steals my answer for quarterback. So th that's that's how they do it, man. They keep you guessing. We also have it. mute buttons. Look, see, like see, like try to say something. The like, disrespect to mute your guests, Billy. You can't even say. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. So no, I I love I love the Russ pick, man. Uh, it, you know he's he was qb 15 last year even though it was awful and he finished qb 15 and now he's going off at qb 18 so you're talking about the floor that it's lower than the floor That's right great. uh yeah so i'm in on that one i'll give you another one here um uh, that i've been convinced on and i'm willing to go there especially in single qb leagues it's anthony richardson right and oh we gotta the, mute him again no leave me <laughs> no i so, love this <laughs> yes, yes. It's super high risk, high reward. You have no, it's like, it's like watching Billy bowl, which I was able to bowl with him at the FSGA. It's like at any given moment, you have no idea what you're going to get. You yeah. don't even know if you're, you're, you're worried about your safety. Balls are flying everywhere. Pins aren't really being hit, but you could get hit by something. Um, but Anthony Richardson, this is why I love him in single QB leagues. At QB 11, I'm willing to take him as my first and only quarterback. And what's scaring people is the, the possibility that he might not start. But there are so many, safe guys there after him so talk about the top 12 qbs if i take him at qb 11 i just come back i could double tap kirk cousins daniel jones geno smith aaron Rodgers, jared goff russell wilson Derek carr it's not a problem they're everywhere right uh and the thing about the mobile quarterback that i think gets gets lost in the sauce of it is that we care like we look at the upside and obviously the upside is what everyone thinks about but the floor of the mobile quarterback is is super underrated in that if you have a guy running for 40, 50 yards, even just, for, you know, 40, 50, like a Daniel Jones, even then that's five points. Right. And especially in those four point passing leagues, it doesn't really matter as much to me, but 
if you have a QB that runs for 50 yards and a touchdown, that's 11 points right there before you even factor in any passing. And we expect every quarterback except for, you know, Kendall Hinton to do at least some passing in a game, right? Even, you know, Taysom Hill and, and Tebow, like Tim Tebow, go back and look at those games. He was a QB one for the second half of that season, just because the floor is so good. So Anthony Richardson, I'm willing to just go there. And if I have to start, uh, or, I mean, like how awful would it be for me to have to start back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers? You know, it's like, it's not that hard to find a QB to start. So I'm willing to go crazy with Andy, Anthony Richardson. I love both of your answers. And I think that the Anthony Richardson uh, double double quarterback uh, double tap has been a really great way to play, especially in the 20-man 20, 20 rosters. I In an FFPC competitor draft the other day, you like how I did that, Billy? FFPC competitor draft the other day, um, I was able to take Dak and Anthony Richardson, and they both fell. Um, for me, you brought up Daniel Jones. That's one guy I'm flag planning. He's going lower than than Richardson, but last year Jones had 700 yards rushing. He also, like, they add Waller. They add all these guys that I think are going to be chain movers to the offense. I think people make fun of all these slot receivers, but I think Dable has a design there, and I think they're going to be able to move the sticks a lot. I think Jones is rushing upside, um, and the ability to, to double-tap quarterback with him as well. Um, I love it. And then to take another flag plant, a guy that's going higher, is Justin Herbert right now. I've taken him in a lot of lot of leagues. You're having to use premium draft capital, but I think – but. QB one overall is not out of the range of outcomes just based on the fact that he might throw so many touchdown passes this year. I think that the Kellen Moore addition, the the fact that they add Quentin Johnston, I love the fact that he's got Parham as his backup uh, backup tight end to go with Gerald Everett. They have so much size at the wide receiver position, and they have Austin Eckler as well. I think this might be the Justin Herbert year. Um, I think he's a fantastic value. How about running back Coop? Give me a val. Give me a tar like your flag plant, and also give me a value running back. You might as well use Richardson because he can't throw the ball. Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> I don't even care if he throws the ball. To be yeah. honest, dude. Give me, give me, give me uh, eleven hundred yards rushing, and he can throw I, like twelve touchdown passes. And, and don't care, still, dude. Justin pass. Fields, dude. Justin Fields, yeah. they you know throwing the fewest passes per game since two thousand three Steelers or whatever. He was still QB one, <laughs> so that's why I don't care, Billy, and and shut up. So uh, and also let me add, shut up. <laughs> so but i love the justin herbert call man his adot if you, if you sort it by any quarterbacks that played even four or five games he was outside the top 32 right like it's just ridiculous the uh joe lombardi dink and dunk nonsense going on there for running back uh my flag plant is miles sanders i look at and i talked about the mobile qb uh if you take all the articles that have been written scott barrett's on the value of a target versus carry if you take andrew erickson's on how mobile quarterbacks affect the game i'm a very i'm a student of the game i keep like a list of all these articles that like i think are some of the best ever theo you've written some bill you've not first class um, fantasy guests you're just <laughs> dropping first class fantasy guests we that, love uh, yeah it's a great show man uh so uh like if you if you look at jalen hurts last year people think that good line uh rpo it's good for the running back and it is for yards per carry but jalen hurts is the second most carries inside the red zone of any qb to only, oh, sorry, of any player behind only Jamal Williams. And also, uh, he, that team threw the fewest passes of any team to the running back. And I even went and looked at Doug Peterson. This is a stat uh, that I shared a couple times. Uh, but Doug Peterson in 2019, between just Miles Sanders 
and Boston Scott threw 39 screen passes, right? Last year, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders played more snaps than they did in 2019. Guess how many screen passes those two combined for? Just take a wild guess. 39 in 2019. Between Boston Scott and who? Miles Sanders. The combined for... Screen passes last year. Combined for 17. Six. Oh, my God. Six. He's just not part of the playbook. Dallas Goddard got like 19 himself. Like So it's it, they just don't do it. So I'm willing to take the risk on a guy going to a new team. Uh, there's a video of Scott Fitter out there saying, remember the time you caught 50 passes? Wasn't that awesome? Let's do that again, right? Like on video. And so I, when I see that, I'm like, yeah, let's get it, get it going. The floor is low, but who cares in that range, right? Uh, I think that Miles Sanders could potentially have the best season that he's ever had. Uh, and then for a late guy, this is kind of a boring pick, but it fits well, in my opinion, into a zero RB strategy. We have to get guys who could start and also go for upside. The guy that I'm willing to start, honestly, week one, and people do hate this take because there are a lot of people that love Damian Pierce, but Devin Singletary, man. I look hey. at, yeah, we're in. All right, let's go. So <laughs> Devin Singletary uh, ran the fifth most routes of any running back if you count playoff six, if you don't. Uh, he is a solid pass blocker. And Damian Pierce graded outside the top 120 running backs in pass blocking per pro football focus. And people come to me and they say, oh, who cares about pro football focus? Well, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, Bobby Slowick, worked for pro football focus for three years. So he actually probably does care a little bit about what that data says. He's probably very familiar with that data, in fact, which is why you go and bring in a pass down back like Devin Singletary. And if this team is going to be as bad as the Vegas odds and everyone say, then they're probably going to have to lean on the pass catching back a little bit. Right. So running with a guy like Damian Pierce, running is the luxury of the winning team oftentimes. So I think Devin Singletary right off right from the rip is going to get a couple targets a game and that'll keep my my zero RB teams afloat while I go out and find my league winner off the wire or wherever else. So Devin Singletary is a guy at his ADP. I mean, free, right? RB 50 or so from what I've seen FFPC and, and on underdog and stuff like that. So pretty easy. I like that. I've been drafting the, the, a ton of him on underdog. He seems to be like the last like clear role running back a lot of right. times in this underdog draft. So I really like that one. Billy, how about you? Let's flag plant and give me a value. Flag plant. Um, I am going to say, Oh man. There's there's so many backs this year that I really like. Um, <clears throat> the one I was flag panting earlier that I've kind of cooled my jets on has been Ramondre Stevenson, but he continues to be kind of safe in in terms of running backs being added. If they add a back here, that's out the window. Um, but Ramondre Stevenson saw the third most targets at the running back position in the NFL last year. Uh, we expect to have Mac Jones checking down again this year. Ramondre Stevenson also um, was pretty explosive last year. You had you heavily utilized in the goal line. Uh, was pretty much the offense ran through him all season last year, and I don't expect that to change here in 2023. Um, if they add a back, this is out the window. Um, but as of now, he continues to look like he is going to be safe. Um, at least for the time being. Um, a value that I really like late in drafts. Unfortunately, he just you know pulled his hamstring this week, but somebody who I think is going to have a pretty massive workload is Jerome Ford. Um, we look at what um, the Browns have done in the history when they have had multiple backs here, and they have never given uh, Chubb the full workload, although I do believe they give him more this year without Hunt there. I think that Jerome Ford probably steps into a pretty sizable role. Um, that was kind of reaffirmed by them sitting him out in the preseason 
in the Hall of Fame game, showing they're protecting him and his health going into the season. Um, unfortunate hamstring pull, but he'll get to rest that going into week one. Um, and then when he's on the field, I do expect to see him, you know, utilized much more than where he's been going in drafts. So uh, pretty safe to say he'll probably see 28 to 30% of the rushing share. Um, he'll probably utilize a little bit more in the passing game than people are expecting. People say that he wasn't a pass catcher in college, but a lot of people weren't ever utilized in college as pass catchers because they're not given the opportunity and this, the offense didn't work that way. NFL is a different ball game, and he has the ability to be a pass catcher. Um, so I think that Jerome Ford is a, a pretty good value late in drafts. So for me, a guy I've been flag planning for a while now is Cam Akers. I think we saw how good he was to end last season. And I think that he has some some unknown upside as a pass catcher. We referenced Tyler Higby. Um, we talked about Cooper Cup earlier with Deepak. I think we could see him more targeted this year. And I think based on the players behind him, they have a huge role in mind for him. Right now, his competition is sixth round and seventh round draft picks. Um, I think Cam Akers is going to get about as much as he can handle I think he's a dark horse to have more running back touches than any other running back over like the, the first month of the season. I think they might really, really lean on him. Um, and last year, he kind of survived everything. He was supposed to get cut. He was supposed to get traded. And he ends up coming, finishing out the year and posting like four 100-yard or more rushing games. I'm in on Akers. I think he's a great value, especially where he's going right around running back 20. And then I have a number of values. I mean, Billy and, and Andrew both talked about like the zero RB strategy this year. And I think one of the, the main reasons is because, you know, these guys are getting pushed down. And I think when I look at Devon A-Chain uh, for an, a pure upside pick for me, right around running back 37, I think he's a guy who could beat his ADP by 13 spots, 14 spots. I think he's going to have a lot of spike weeks. I think he's got receiving ability. He is has lightning in a bottle speed. And this is a head coach that we have seen be able to get guys out in space and get impactful weeks from them. So I'm really big on, on Devon A-Chain. I, I drafted him in the 10th round this week. I think by the time we draft, like at the end of the month, I think he's an eighth rounder in a lot of these leagues. I think the market will kind of correct itself because right now, like he dropped because of the Dalvin Cook rumors and Cook's not going to end up in Miami, I don't think. So um, I'm in on A-Chain. I'm also in on A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon going many spots lower than he was last year. This is a uh, a young quarterback. I think they're going to lean a little bit more on the running game. There's some contingent upside if Aaron Jones misses time. I know Billy is very big on Aaron Jones, and I think if Aaron Jones stays healthy, I think Billy's going to be proven right. But Aaron Jones has been very fortunate with injuries. He's also been propped up by playing with Aaron Rodgers. We don't know how Jordan Love is going to look with Aaron Jones, and I think that Aaron Jones is also getting a little bit older. We're talking about a 28-year-old back. So I'm in on Dylan and A-Chain as my values this year. Coop and Billy, uh, I now want to pick your brain on your wide receivers. We'll start with Coop here. Give us a flag plant wide receiver. Go as high as you want. Any portion of the draft, the guy you really, really want. Uh, so actually, I'll do a guy. I'll I'll bring up a guy quick. And uh, Billy, I know you got to you got to jump, don't you? So what, you, did you want to go first? Or did you actually got to run now? No, we can. Let's let's oh, let's I'm go and wrap it up. Yeah. I'll, Apologies. Let's do right lightning round for this. Okay. Yeah. So for me, real quick one, and it's easy to go lightning round on this because if you want my full take on the player, it's in the player profiler draft guide. I popped in and, and did a player uh, as I like to do. So you can get my full take video and a write up on DK Metcalf and why I believe that just like Mike Evans, when they had Deshaun Jackson and brought in Chris Godwin, 
for a couple of years. Mike Evans stopped, never stopped being the split end on that team. And I don't think TK Metcalf is going to stop being the split end for the Seahawks and all the good that comes with it. So I think DK Metcalf is a guy that you can get a little discount on him because the rookie and all that, but uh, he's going to potentially be the D not even just the DK Metcalf of last year, but he breaks a few more tackles and we could have the DK Metcalf that finished RB seven. Not a lot of difference between DK Metcalf and AJ Brown besides the broken tackles and the extra yak that came with that. And back in, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, DK Metcalf broke 17 tackles, just like AJ Brown did last year. So could easily see it happen. Coop, you crushed it in the, in the draft kit. We're going to save Billy and my, uh, uh, flag plant wide receivers for next week. Uh, Coop, you were awesome. Let everybody know where they, where they can find you. Yeah. Hit me. Uh, it's easy. Follow me on Twitter at Coupe fiasco. I tweet everything out that I do. So I'll retweet this, all my articles that are on fantasy alarm and you can catch me uh, every morning, 9 to 9.30 on Better Sports Network, where we do a little debate show, me and Corey Parson and Britt Flynn and Howard Bender, and we just kind of uh, just kind of yell at each other for a half hour. And then uh, I, on Better Sports Network, I'm on from 1 to 3. I've got my own show, Coop's FF Fiasco, which both you guys now have to come on because I came on your show. Uh, that's on Mondays and Fridays. But Every day from one to three, I'm on some sort of show there. So you can catch me most days and all my articles, they live on Fantasy Alarm. So I make it kind of easy. Yeah, definitely follow Coop. Look for all his work. It's fantastic. I have Scott Barrett on press coverage tomorrow on Friday. Make sure and check that one out. That's going to be really, really good. Uh, and then check out Billy and I. We dropped two guests today. Uh, next week on First Class Fantasy, we have a really special one. We're going to have a high-stakes spin. We have Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani, um, who drops probably the, the best ADP content anywhere in fantasy. He's going to be joining us, and then we're going to be joined by the GOAT, the greatest fantasy player, the most successful fantasy player of all time, Chad Schroeder. Uh, he's going to be stepping on First Class Fantasy, so a really great high-stakes show. Uh, everybody enjoy the rest of their day. Thanks again to Coop. Thanks again for Dr. Deepak Chona, and everybody, uh, we will see you soon.